Hi, I'm Chris Fleming. And I'm Leslie Erdelak. Welcome to another edition of Health Affairs This Week, the podcast where health affairs editors talk about the health policy news of the week. This has been an active week on the health policy news front. Uh, Among other things, we've been following the March of BA2, the latest variant of COVID, I should say, subvariant really. It seems to be uh, more transmissible than the uh, original Omicron, although thankfully uh, not not more severe as far as we could tell. Uh, but today we're going to talk about uh, something else. Uh, Leslie, what, what caught your eye this week? So, Chris, the other day I saw an announcement from the three major credit reporting agencies in the U.S. that outlines some changes to the way that medical debt and collections will appear on consumer credit reports in the coming months. And I think it's important to talk about because a lot of people are trying to figure out how to deal with the stress and the financial burden of delinquent medical debt. And it's a big problem. It can affect anyone really, even people with insurance, despite this perception that their coverage is going to keep them shielded from those high medical costs. And, you know, just to sort of contextualize the issue before we get into it, the reality is for a lot of different reasons, unpaid medical bills sometimes get sent to third-party collection agencies. And so often it has to do with the complexity of medical billing and reimbursement and um, the high out-of-pocket costs in general. But there's also a lot of volatility that comes into play when consumers are faced with um, the unpredictable costs associated with medical care. Um, It's already the most common type of collection that shows up on people's credit reports. You know, you started off by talking about the latest COVID variant, and I think it's reasonable to assume, too, that COVID has put so many people at risk of incurring medical debt. And of course, you know, there are a lot of negative consequences related to medical debt for consumers. There are, of course, um, people who are disproportionately hurt by it. So these changes that I read about, I think, could have some significant implications. Well, it may say something about the complexity and uh, uh, awkwardness for consumers of our health policy uh, system that uh, a major change in health policy will come about uh, from the consumer credit agencies. Right. What kind of changes can we expect to see? There are three big changes. Um, Number one, starting in July of this year, if you have medical debt that went to collections and you paid it off, it will no longer be included on your credit report. Number two, the grace period before unpaid medical debt shows up as a collection on your report is being extended. So now it's one year up from six months um, with the idea being that you'll have more time to work with your insurance company or work directly with your healthcare provider to sort of come up with a plan for addressing that debt before it gets reported. And then finally, number three is that beginning next year, medical collection debts under $500 will not be reported. And so, you know, these changes aren't going to eliminate medical debt or relieve you of your responsibility to pay it. But altogether, because of these changes that were just announced, some consumers are probably going to see an improvement in their credit profiles and potentially some improvement in their overall financial health. Well, that sounds good. What uh, what prompted the credit reporting agencies to make this make these changes? 
So the agencies themselves are saying that they came to this decision after, you know, two years of living through COVID and sort of all of the pandemic era unemployment and the economic uncertainty alongside sort of a detailed review of the prevalence of medical debt um, that's showing up on people's credit reports. But behind the scenes, um, there's also been a push from the Federal Consumer Financial Protection Bureau and the lending industry even um, to say that unlike so many sort of consumer debts, you know, people rarely plan to take on medical debt and that medical debt collections are less predictive of future payment problems um, than other types of debt collections. And so it's time that we really start to explore ways of reforming some of these practices, um, you know, which can seriously affect people's financial well-being, obviously, but also their physical and mental health. Well, and and just to follow up on that, um, and you talked a little bit about this earlier, but maybe you could expand a little on on some of these adverse effects uh, that we see from medical debt, and you know, particularly then uh, maybe talk a little bit about what some of the specific health impacts are. Yeah. So um, just to break it down, so any medical debt that shows up on someone's credit file. Um, can be factored into their credit score. So when there's negative information on the report, it drags down your scores, and this creates um, sort of a ripple effect that makes it harder for people to get access to credit, um, housing, and even employment. And I want to just go a little bit deeper. And you know, when you look at this from sort of an equity perspective, and when we talk about population disparities. Um, even though people from all different demographic groups can and do carry medical debt, um, you know, like I said before, it disproportionately hurts people who are already facing financial exclusion, you know, because of discriminatory policies and then kind of the persistent effects of these policies that created this racial wealth gap that leaves um Black and Hispanic households predominantly with less wealth and less resources to resolve their debt. Um, so it's really this chronic, you know, generational form of financial trauma that I think is so damaging. And then when you add in um, medical debt, you know, it creates this really vicious cycle. And Leslie, in addition to those uh, kind of adverse impacts that you talked about, uh, for medical debt, there are some specific health impacts that that kind of debt can have, right? Yeah. So there's a, a body of research showing that medical debt is linked to, you know, a variety of poor physical and mental health outcomes. You know, and, and really the likelihood, I think, that someone will be faced with medical debt, you know, you can trace that back to some of these inequities in wealth, um, insurance coverage, access to care, and, you know, the cumulative effect, you know, you can see it in our health outcomes, you can see it play out in the form of fewer opportunities and um, paths to financial security for people who need health care, but who have limited means to pay for it. So in terms of the health impacts, not surprisingly, um, you know, people might delay or put off medical care because they're concerned about high costs or medical debt. People who are in worse health are more likely to report significant medical debt. So in a sense, medical debt not only stems from poor health and that sicker people end up with larger amounts of debt, but also 
that it results in poor health outcomes because people can't keep up with the costs associated with medical care. And then, of course, sort of on the the mental health side, carrying debt of any kind, um, you know, causes a lot of stress. And medical debt um, certainly is is no different. Research, again, has found that unpaid medical bills um, take a serious toll on our mental well-being and that people with debt um, report experiencing um, more mental health conditions like anxiety, depression. So the health impacts, again, are are extremely far-reaching. Yeah, and I can see how you'd end up with a, a vicious circle thinking about some of the social determinants of health. I mean, you you talked a little bit about the effect uh, maybe having people avoid uh, going in for health care because they're afraid they won't be able to pay for it. But then you've also got the the issue where the more debt you have from medical debt or any kind of debt, the harder it is to, for instance, get good housing or have budget to get good mm-hmm. food, you know, which of course have negative health impacts of their own. So I could see how you'd end up with sort of, as you say, with debt stemming from bad health and then through all sorts of channels, uh, creating more bad health and then more medical debt, et cetera. Yeah. And there is a little bit of a debate playing out, I think, that, um, you know, should we be looking at medical debt as another social determinant? And maybe we should. Well, well, thanks, Leslie. So uh, before we end, what, what does this all mean? What should listeners take away from all this? Yeah, so I just said offline, Chris, to you a moment ago that I have some pretty conflicting thoughts on this. So these changes will reportedly result in about 70% of medical debt collection trade lines being removed from consumer credit reports. And I think, you know, it's good news for the patients and the consumers who maybe were faced with some unexpected medical bills and who have the means to pay these debts. Um, it helps a lot of otherwise, you know, qualified borrowers um, whose credit scores took a hit because of a collection. But personally, I think this um, doesn't seem to do a whole lot for people who can't afford their medical bills and who have medical debts that they cannot pay. And these are policy changes, but they don't address anything having to do with how and why people are accumulating medical debt in the first place. And um, we talked earlier, you know, just about some of the complexity of medical billing practices and reimbursement and how insurance companies handle claims. But there's also just a lot of financial toxicity in the healthcare system. Well, thanks, Leslie. Can you maybe uh, one interesting aspect of this is uh, something we did an episode on a while back, which is the No Surprises Act and uh, the protections that that offers against surprise billing. Uh, is there any sort of positive interaction that might happen between those protections uh, and these changes that might maybe sort of boost the impact, but the beneficial impact to consumers uh, from the two of them combined? Yeah, I think if there's one promising development, um, it would be the new protections against surprise billing by out-of-network providers through the No Surprises Act, you know, given the relationship, again, between those unanticipated medical bills and and medical debt. So all in all, um, you know, I think this is being regarded as a positive but incremental and, um, you know, potentially unfinished step in protecting patients and consumers from medical debt. We'll see where it goes. And and once again, we're we're back to the sort of age old health policy debate about incremental change versus you know blowing up the system and mm-hmm. starting with you know whether it's Medicare for all or HSAs. We're we're back to that brings us back to to a familiar debate. 
Sure does. I think that's a good place to end uh, for this week. Uh, Leslie, uh, thanks for joining me. It's been a lot of fun. Thanks, Chris. And thanks, of course, to our listeners. And I'd uh, like to remind you, uh, if you like what you hear, uh, please subscribe uh, wherever you get your podcast. Uh, and thanks again. We'll see you next week. 